Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. This is your Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Guns and Yellow Ribbons Live. It's Fergus uh, and I'm here with episode 95. I'm joined by four other fellow Gooners. Um, I'm joined by uh, Melina. Uh, Melina's back in from a couple of weeks off. Uh, I saw Melina on Sunday at the 12 Pins and we had a couple of drinks and we chatted about the game and we're going to carry on chatting about the, uh, it again today. You okay, Melina? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you very much for inviting me again. Obviously, uh, like probably everyone else, I'm a little bit fed up with the last game and uh, English weather. But yeah, apart from that, everything is fine. Thank you. English weather. I can understand that. The football, I, I don't really understand what you're talking about. We'll get into that one in a minute. <laughs> Scunny, um, the w- weather obviously hasn't improved from last week because you still got something on your barnet. Every time. Every time. Well, you wear these silly hats. How are you keeping well, you okay? They're not silly hats. It's cold. That's why I'm wearing it. I'm cold. It's, it is. It keeps your head warm. It is. And not only that, chilly. now I'm on live, you never know. I might get a sponsor. You, actually, yeah, you get Paddy Power or something like that, aren't they? Yeah, that'd yeah, be good. Well, you never know. That'd be all right. Well, yeah. well, make sure you give me a cup as well. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Three bets. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. It, bet it, oh, he's just disappeared. Um, I was just about to go to I was about to go to um, Coz and see if it was cold out there, but obviously it's windy and he's lost his internet connection. But we have a new member, Richard. Uh, Richard Burton. How are you, Richard? Very well. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if this is your first ever. I know you've done a couple of little bits and pieces on um, on some of the the, the forums and so on. Um, but is this your first podcast? It is, yeah. So I'm looking forward to being a part of it. I say thanks for inviting me on. We're looking forward to doing Brilliant. it. Brilliant. And we do have um, all live from Cars again. Uh, we do have uh, Scunny. Uh, not um, Trev. Trev, uh, how are you keeping? You okay? Jesus, I'm not old. <laughs> he's struggling he did say to me his internet was 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 um was struggling um good evening to everybody in the chat uh put your um put your comments and um questions in there we will try and get to them um we've got a few people on there at the moment dave hurl we got kai we've got raul again hello mate uh so yeah so what we're going to look at is um first and foremost we're going to look at the uh, go back over the week's football. Obviously, we done Sheffield last week. So since we've been uh, last on, uh, we had Arsenal versus Victoria in the um, in the Europa League, and then we had on Sunday with the Arsenal Palace game. So what we're going to look at very first and foremost is the Victoria game. Arsenal manager Unai Emery made ten changes from that side that lost to Sheffield United in the Premier League on Monday. We came under pressure by what I uh, called a, a pub team, uh, but uh, Martin, uh, but Goals by Martinelli on the 32nd minute um, and uh, also Pepe um, on the 80th and 90th minute. Uh, it just didn't, it didn't really, it didn't really go to plan, did it? Uh, Richard, I'll, I'll let you come in for uh, first, first and foremost. It didn't really go to plan as regards to um, what you'd expect against a so-called pub team. I think that's a little disrespectful to them because they played really well on the it night. It is. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, before the game, I think most people were expecting um, a similar game to maybe the standard Liège game before, which was 4-0, something similar to that. And obviously it didn't go like that at all. 
Um, and in the end, we were got out of jail, didn't we, with the free kicks that, that Pepe scored um, in the last 10 minutes, which um, obviously great to see from his point of view. But I don't think it really covered up the, um, the, the, the performance, really. It was just poor. Um, when we, we created next to nothing in the last sort of 20 minutes or so when you'd expect us to have really gone for it. Um, and in the end, it was just two free kicks. And that seems to be the story of the way it's going for us at the minute. We're just not creating enough chances from open play. Well, we we were, we were uh, what was it, at halftime? I think we were 2-1 at halftime. Uh, and we, we were forced to make two changes. Uh, Guendouzi and Ceballos came out at halftime. Uh, Pepe, obviously, as you said, scored two excellent free kicks, um, which was good to see Pepe. He, he, he walked off that pitch um, 10 foot tall. Melina, were you at the game? No, I didn't go to that game. Actually, I was meant to go, but I, uh, at the very last minute, decided I'm not going. Um, pretty much, you know, that was a kind of quick decision based on my mood at the time. You know, I'm I'm getting really disappointed these days. You know, watching Arsenal is so um, heartbreaking, and I just feel like I don't enjoy the games. You know, as as watching the games, I really. Obviously, I love going to meet, you know, friends and, and Arsenal family. But in terms of uh, Thursday night, you know, to travel to London, you know, by train and then coming back when it's really late. Um, I just don't feel like I really want to sacrifice, you know, because uh, there is nothing exciting anymore. You know, obviously, they played really well in the uh, um, previous games, you know, Euro- Europa League I'm talking about. And uh, I was I was ready to watch something something really good but then I thought no actually you know what we've had so many mistakes from Emery with the lineups we had so many tactical mistakes I just I just decided I'm not I'm not going so obviously watching that game at home on a big screen and um, I felt at the end you know when when we actually won it I felt like that was the game that Pepe was waiting for he really needed this game you know he really needed to come on the pitch and and show something more then everyone was like stunned. Finally, he <laughs> he actually delivered something. Uh, so hopefully that's gonna boost his confidence. You know, this was, is this is really happy moment for him. There but, was a guy behind. Know. There was a guy behind me, Melina, and um, when the third goal went in, the the, the second free kick by Pepe um, went in. Mm. Um, he just turned around and said, "We've got our we've got our, our dead ball specialist." And I do think he does seem to be a bit of a, a dead ball specialist. I, I took my son and my grandson, so there was three generations of of me um, at the at the football. And that, when that third goal, yeah, don't don't laugh like that, Scully. Um, there was three three generations of of us uh, there. And when that third goal went in, little Joseph was there was my son beside him, and then Joseph. And I looked at him, and his knees were bent, his back was arched, his arms were out. His neck, he was just like, yes. And I just thought, he's got the he's got the bug. He's he's eleven in January, and uh, he's got the the bug proper. Um, overall, a poor performance, would you say, Mike? Oh yeah, hundred percent. It wasn't a great performance. Uh, <clears throat> the midfield and uh, the the defence, it, it's just the cracks are showing even more, more and more. Uh, with every game that goes by, with especially with the, like like Molina was saying, with the tactics and everything, and the cracks are starting to open up, and they're getting wider and wider every time, and it, the papering it over is just not going to work anymore. Um, and I I would expect we're, we're playing them early, 
next Wednesday, next week, not tomorrow, um, at four or whatever. So, but I, I was impressed, and and Raúl has, has has come up and said here as well. I was impressed with the with the kids. They showed a lot of talent, um, but uh, you know, the, there's concerns about the sloppiness that we've got in the midfield and 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 the back four at times. Um, Bellerin played, and he looked very leggy. Uh, you You've know. got to think as well with with likes of Bellerin, Tierney, and Holden. They've got a lot of rust on them. You know, they've been out for a while, so it, it, you know it's it's going to take the time for them to play a bit more. Uh, well, it's going to take them a bit more time just to get get involved and play a full ninety minutes. Well, you know, because they've been out for so long. So you can't with the with the defense in some respect. I know I said you know it was. It was starting to show a bit, but you you have got your likes of Mustafi in there as well, who should really be a talisman in that defence. Mm. We all know how I feel about him. So, but yeah, Mustafi wasn't wasn't what hasn't been too bad in Europa League. Uh, Richard, anything anything to add on that game? Because you, you know it seems like a an age away with everything else has happened. Yeah, I think in a sense it's gone to the to the back of everybody's mind of everything that happened on Sunday. Um, but we shouldn't paper over the fact that it was another poor performance and um, it's good to get the win, it's good to be top of that group but um, it doesn't fill me with any great confidence going forward that things are going to improve and obviously moved on to Sunday where that was kind of shown again wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, nice segue Richard, you can come again. Um, Sunday uh, Arsenal head coach Unai Emery had set to bring back a number of players that he rested on Thursday um, Palace Palace's 3-2 winning at the Emirates in the last fixture was the first win at the Emirates since 1994. Um, the Eagles um, had never won twice in a row at, Ars at Arsenal. And Arsenal are unbeaten at home since they, they started the Premier League season, winning three of the four matches at the Emirates. However, they've only kept one clean sheet. And in fairness, I think that sums up a lot of what our, our issue is, is a lot, lot of our issue is down to the defensive side of things. The lineups, uh, Tierney and Sabaya started, Bellerin and Torreira on the bench. Thoughts, people? Who wants to go first? I can, I can start. Go on. Um, well, we had a um, few hours before the game in the pub, you know, obviously waiting for the lineup and stuff, talking about things. Uh, as it came on, you know, my first thought was, oh, my God, not again. You know, I just can't get this guy. I just really cannot understand why, why, he, why he puts them um, together. I'm talking about Gunduzi and Chaka, you know, all the time leaving Torreira on the bench. I just don't get it, you know, obviously... Like when you look at the previous lineups, yeah, okay, that was a little bit better, you know, generally uh, speaking. But those two, I mean, they just they just cannot play together. It's so simple and obvious. I just don't get what what's in in Emery's head. You know how how he pairs them is beyond me. It's like it's almost like an uh, insult to Torreira, you know, leaving him on the bench and letting somebody else play uh, at his position, you know. So um, I already knew when I look at the lineup that something is going to go really, really wrong. And obviously, Mike? sadly, I wasn't mistaken. Mike? Yeah, yeah, I can't disagree much more with Melina there. Um, I think throughout it all, when I first saw the lineup, it was nice to see Tierney. In uh, in the team, it was nice to see him getting some minutes into a Premier League game. Uh, with oh, other than that, uh, I wasn't really convinced. I think the lineup come across as a four-two-three-one, but it turned out to be a 
flat 4-4-3 with Ceballos more on the left-hand side of midfield rather than in the number 10 role. Um, I can't really say much more about the lineup. It wasn't... No, that's, that's fine. That's fine. You know, fine. In all fairness with the lineup, it, it wasn't as... You know what I mean? It, when you come across to it, it's not really... When Every time you see that sort of lineup, you think, oh, God, here we go again. And it's, it seems to be like that every game now. Hmm. Rich, um, obviously we've done the lineup a little bit to death, unless unless you've got anything to add to it. Look, we were were up uh, two 0 up within two uh, within nine minutes from two set pieces. Uh, I know we talked about this briefly um, when we we're doing the testing for this. Uh, Socrates and David Luiz took advantage of poor defenders defending at corners, and we showed a lot of promise for the first twenty minutes. And at some point, we could have been four or five up. Uh, you talked about opportunities and you talked about uh, the goals that we've scored and the opportunities we get in open play. The yeah. floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a, a big issue at the minute. Uh, we seem to only be scoring from set pieces. I mean, the two goals against Crystal Palace, the two free kicks in the Europa League game. Um, I mean, going back, the, the last time I can remember scoring a goal in the Premier League from actual open play was actually Watford away. The second goal, which actually Ozil created with a ball to Ainsley, crossed it for Bamiang. And since then, we seem to only have scored from set pieces in, in, the, in the Premier League. Now, that to me suggests that there's a massive problem in the midfield. Um, looking through the season, I think we've only had about four assists from our midfielders all season. Um, and that's after 10 games in the Premier League. That's, that's a bad, really bad statistic when you think of the attacking players that we've got that aren't really getting the service that they need. Um, I mean, Aubameyang's scored quite a few goals, although he's on a bit of a drought in the last couple of games, but he's been scoring quite a lot of goals. But um, I just... I think the, qu- the, qu- the question you asked me was, um, can you remember, OK, we've got the Aubameyang VAR at Man United and so on. But guys, can, can you think of the last goal that you've seen us play properly in, in open play that hasn't come from a penalty or, or a corner or a set piece? Uh, wasn't it the Man United game where it was deemed offside first? Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, yeah, after that, before that. that. That was a mistake, really, wasn't it? Man United gave us the ball. It wasn't because we mm. created an opportunity. They gave us the ball and we scored. Um, but I, I think Watford away was the last goal we actually created ourselves from open play attack. And that I, was five ago. I can't argue with that. I, I, I honestly cannot remember. Mm. It's been it's been a while since I've seen us create something from open play. Mm. Mm. Um, Nick Birch brings up uh, a comment here. I don't know what attracted them to um, uh, this uh, this show at all. Um, following on from Mourinho's comments about our best lineup, uh, which were uh, were more or less from spot on from leaving uh, Guendouzi out, is the idea of him being our manager more and more appealing? Anybody want to uh, comment on uh, Nick's question? Anybody want Mourinho as a possible replacement for um, f- for f- for Emery or anybody? Melina, you know Nick. <laughs> well, we actually had a little chat about this uh, during work today, and um, I read this statement from Mourinho. And to be very honest, I felt upset because I agreed with most of the things that he said, and I absolutely hate this guy. <laughs> so agreeing with him on the things, you know, in regards to our team, it's, it's, it's really upsetting to me. But uh, no, I wouldn't like him to be our manager. I don't believe that he could actually change 
change things, you know, the way that we really need them to be changed. I would go personally for Simona or or Allegri. You know, I, I just I I originally is Simeone yeah. not similar to uh, Mourinho in the sense that he just looks at a it's like a George Graham sort of thing. So like it's it it's very defensive first, attack second. Yeah, but I like him more than Mourinho. Uh, uh, look, listen, I like Harry Kane more than I like bloody Mourinho. Really? Yeah, no. What I, my point being is, I don't like Mourinho. <laughs> Scotty, um, no, no, I just, I just don't like him. I just don't want him to be our manager. And I told Nick, like when we had this chat, that I would find it really difficult, very, very hard to support Mourinho as a manager. Obviously, you know, Nick said something like, yeah, but if he was winning, you know, uh, cups for us or, you know, trophies for us, you would support him. And I said, well, obviously as a team, yeah, we would support, you know, as, as a whole team, yeah, we would support him as well. But as, as a manager, I just can't see myself cheering for Mourinho. I just don't like him. That's it. Mike, would you ever have Mourinho at the club? I'd rather have a brick to the face, if I'm being honest, but... <laughs> You know, but you got you got also got to ask the question now. A lot of people are so used to ask, seeing Arsenal in the attacking, you know, in the attacking way and the the, the flair that we've got throughout the throughout the Wenger years. Um, not everyone has seen the George Graham years, and you know, and and, and before uh, we've only seen, you know, like myself, I was, you know, I mean, I was raised in the Wenger years and started supporting during the Wenger years. Um, now we're seeing the Emery years, and it's. Well, anything could be better than this at the minute, but I think that's the issue. I think maybe too much change in some sort of respect in that way. Uh, I'm not saying I won't want Mourinho. No chance. No chance. I, I can't stand the guy. I think he's an idiot. Uh, but you've also got to ask that. It's we, we, we've got to have a bit of change at Arsenal. Emery, Emery was meant to be that change, as well as keep. You know, I mean, what we're hoping for the attacking, the attacking flow of what we're used to and used to seeing. He's a transition, Mike. Definitely, he's. Well, definitely... yeah, but this is a thing, and and I'm not too sure. After been thinking about it for the last few days, you know, I mean, last couple of days now, I just don't think many people would like to see us in that defensive uh, style of play because they're so used to seeing Arsenal as a uh, an attacking team. Rich, um, you are quite. Um vocal in like the conversations we had and I don't want to get into the total Emery should he be there or not yet because we haven't finished the Palace game but um, Mourinho at, at at the Emirates I would say a year ago I would have been the same as everybody else no definitely not but the more I see the players that we've got in our squad now I could see Mourinho improving um, the structure of the team would be better defensively um, but he's not a long-term appointment, is he? never stays anywhere for long. He ends up ruining the clubs. Um, if, if an option was there to get him now through the end of the season, I could see him bringing us a trophy or two, sorting out the defence, making us harder to beat away from home. Um, but I certainly wouldn't want him as a long-term um, as a long-term option. Um, definitely not. Um, there's other people who've been talking about. Um, Dan, come up, uh, Potsy, has said Nagelsmann. Uh, Nick Birch has said 
Ten, uh, Ten Hag. But we'll go into that. And Kai, I see your question on there. We'll we'll try and get into that in a second. Well, actually, we'll just do it now, I suppose, more than anything else. And then we'll finish off the Palace game. As a fan base, we're too clinging to the idea of a legacy coach rather than uh, other big clubs um, who do hire and fire until they get the right, uh, right, um, get it right, or it goes wrong. Um, do you uh, do people agree with? Um, having a so-called legacy coach or, you know, I, I think we are going to have, you know, we're going to have a succession of managers, but I don't, I don't want it to be the Man United scenario. But I, I, I think we said last week, I've got no allegiance to uh, Emery. And I, you know, if Emery goes tomorrow or if Emery goes at the end of the season, it doesn't really bother me. I'd, I'd rather he gets us into the top four and then we reevaluate at the end of the season. I don't think there's going to be another Wenger or another Ferguson anyway. No, nowhere. Top clubs are going to get rid of managers two or three years anyway, and we need to kind of stop thinking like that ourselves. I know it's difficult when we've had a manager for so long, but now Emery's maybe going to get two two seasons. His replacement, even if they're successful, might only get two or three seasons, and then they'll move on or they'll go, and that'll be that. So I think we need to just accept that fact now that you know we're going to probably get through a lot more managers in the next 10 years than we have in the last 10 years. Yeah, I, I agree. I was going to say, I think Wenger was the last in that sort of breed yeah. of legacy coaches. Um, I don't think there's many anymore that stay, you know, I mean, especially at top clubs that stay more than, what, say, five years for uh, for argument's sake. Yeah, well, five, five. you can already see down the lane that, um, you know, it's six season in and I can't see him doing a seventh. I can't see him finishing the sixth any team you know what I mean like you know you look at you look at Lincoln they had the um the Cowley brothers for a number of seasons you've got Howe down at Bournemouth you've got um Dyche up at Burnley there are managers who stay for for a while they're they're smaller clubs aren't they without the expectations of trophies getting in the top four I don't think any big club now is going to keep a manager for more than maybe five years I mean I think Pep's now at Man City I don't think he's got many more years he's going to stay there for. Um, no, he's got Champions League this season or, or he's yeah. gone. And, I, and you can see that yeah. the, the, they're off the boil a little bit in the Premier League because Champions League seems to be the, the main focus. Listen, let's finish on the, the Palace game because there's lots to talk about in the Palace game as well. Um, Palace pulled one back at, uh, just before half time with Luca Mlad- <laughs> Thank you. Uh, scored from the spot following a VAR intervention when Martin Atkinson initially showed Zaha a yellow card for diving when the tangle with Callum Chambers. Now that was right in front of us, um, and I, I could see uh, we saw the yellow card come out, and we all we cheered, but we all went, Jeez, we got away with that one. And when the VAR intervened and said it was a penalty, nobody argued with it. The execution of VAR, and if you've been listening to Talk Sport, Five Live, any 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 other podcast. Um, you know, we we talked about it last week. The execution of VAR is poor to say the least, and the experience inside the stadium, Melina, you you will have seen it. It's just you're just sitting in dead space, not knowing what anything that's going on. Um, go on, Melina. Did you what did you make of it? No, I was absolutely shocked to be honest. Because, you know, you, you get those first 10 minutes when you think, wow, you know, it hasn't been a uh, uh, usual, um, usual view for us, you know, to, to see 2-0 uh, 
um, at the early stages of the game. So kind of high hopes, you know, positive feelings about the game. And then suddenly things just, you know, go really wrong. And uh, to have uh, to have that screen showing you um, every some minutes, you know, um, that something is checked again, something is checked again, and then decisions, you know, out of bloody nowhere. Would we, you? Just, we we couldn't see that first the first um, decision. We we didn't know what happened. To be honest, you know, we couldn't see from our spot what exactly happened. And the the one thing that is worth mentioning is that, you know when they made that decision, you know, somewhere there, and then they passed that decision onto the fans, you know, through the screen. I believe that there should be some kind of um, footage, you know, some explanation actually why they changed that decision because people don't really know. They don't see. We started cheering for something and then suddenly we, we looked back and there is absolutely no goal. So, you know, you just question things uh, the, like what the heck. The goal, the goal one is separate. We're, we're still on about the, the, the penalty. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the VAR itself as a, yeah. as a um, kind of confusion, you know, because when they, when they deliver um, that message, you know, that they should also explain it, in my opinion, you know. Why, I agree. Why I agree. I agree. The, the 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 thing that struck struck from me more than anything else, I think VAR in this instance with the um, penalty again, um, that was a, um, was awarded to Zaha. I actually agreed with it, but he was given a yellow card, and that's his his reputation that precedes him. You know, he he's got the most penalties I think in the league, aside from this one other player. Um, Var He's in the Premier League, um, aside from Cardi. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the Atkinson was so quick to take out the yellow card. That was, that was actually very, very poor. The, the execution of, of watching VAR is, is poor. Um, but I, I think I found out the solution to why, Melina, you didn't know or see anything. Uh, Nick was pissed. No. <laughs> no, he went. He went for it. <laughs> he went for it. So no. I'm reading that in my eyes. Um, so, uh, anybody have any any discussion on the first half? Because we're going to go into the second half, and that's when it gets a little bit more meaty about what went on. Rich, did you, Mike? Well, all I'll say about the first half was, as soon as the penalty was given, which obviously was the right decision in the end, um, I felt straight away that we was going to struggle then to win that game because just. You could see that the confidence just drained out of the players straight away as soon as the penalty went in, and that was a massive turning point in that in that game. And it it just sums up the season in a lot of ways. You know, a lot, a lot of times we seem to be fairly comfortable in a game, and then we'll make a stupid mistake, and then it just goes away from us. And that that was for me that was the point in that game where um, the game was uh, not lost as such, but that, that was when it wasn't won. If you see what I mean. Um, yeah, no, no, I get that. I get that. It, to be honest, and and from the first twenty-minute performance, where we, as I said earlier, we could have been four or five up. I think at two-nil up, uh, one more goal in the back of the net, and the game's over. And we did have the opportunities. Pepe, I think, fluffed his lines. There's a few others. Got into the second half. Palace uh, became level seven minutes in, after the break. With Jordan Ayew headed the ball. Um, from in from a James MacArthur cross. Now that cross was probably the start of a lot of the criticism of the man who's in in a lot in the press at the moment, which was Shaka. Shaka um, kept his hands behind his back uh, to try and defend and not concede a uh, not concede not concede a, a penalty. Uh, and it, we just left lots of space. 
what did people make of that mike uh sloppy very sloppy uh, after watching all that it, you could say like uh, richard just said, said a minute ago about it about the players losing focus and you know I mean, the interest dropping and hearts breaking if you want to call it that uh, they just you know it, it you could see that no one was after that point no one was not really interested um the forwards became static they weren't really they weren't really bothered about uh doing anything and then obviously the midfield became exactly the same and and that we could, we all criticize Xhaka for what he, uh, for for a lot of things and we're, we're going to get into that I suppose in a minute but for that he didn't close his man down uh he didn't really go towards uh, MacArthur so it's it, you know he invited the cross in and all be all give them the goal I mean what what I would say is uh, regarding that with Xhaka what he did do was he covered he got back and covered well for Callum Chambers who got caught out Mm. further up the pitch and he made the run back to, to, to cover for, for that position. Now obviously he was in the sort of right back position which obviously is not his natural position anyway um, and yes he should have done more to prevent a cross um, but it's almost forgotten the work he did to put himself in that position to, to at least try and close the guy down. Um, and I was going to say but that's the story of Arsenal during that game. There was no yeah, closing yeah, yeah. down whatsoever. You know yeah. uh, towards the I'll say the last se last season and the first few games that we had and we went on that unbeaten run, you could see they had a bit of fight. They wanted it, and and uh, there was closing there was closing down players. There was there was looking to get in. They wanted the ball back, and then you got towards the end of last season and it, it started to show that they wasn't really interested anymore. It you know they weren't really closing down players. They wasn't really taking the time or watching runs, you know, not even putting in a tackle. And it seemed to have carried on into this season where you're seeing our players just either, they just stand still, they're static, they jog. They don't really tend to, they don't want it. It's like they don't want, they don't want it at all. And and like I say, there's a few times that I saw Xhaka in plenty of space. He's, he's good at distributing the ball. You know, everyone says that. He, he is quite good at it, but even during that game, I saw a few times. I've watched the game two or three times now because I wanted to try and pick every little last detail that I could out of this game because I was so frustrated in watching our watching Arsenal this way. And they do, they are. They're just watching people run past them. And it's not just it's not just Xhaka, It's everybody. You know, they're watching people run past them. They're not closing down players. They're not wanting to get involved. And it just seems to have carried on, and it's just getting worse and worse. And like I was saying about Chaka, there was a few times where he was in open space, we, was, we had the ball, and it was going backwards to the defenders and coming back to a couple of midfielders. Everyone but Xhaka in that in that area where he, he normally is, he just wasn't interested in having the ball. Did, did, did you guys um, did you guys see um, the uh, did you guys see um, the match of the day uh, punditry? And the match of day punditry uh, was shown that about Shaka. He just didn't look like he wanted the ball at all. Every time he, he would clear space that he could have received the ball, he seemed to look away from the ball. Now, I, I, I what I wanted I to do. Actually. I'm glad I got something right for a change. Yeah, no, no, you did. And, and, and have a look at it before we get into yeah, the Shaka well, debate, because that itself will will take up a bit of time. I suppose if we jump past the Shaka thing. Um, and you're looking at the the, the the second goal that Palace had. Um, somebody on there, Bradley, said David Louise. 
uh, was it to blame because he lost his man. Uh, yeah, to a certain degree, to, in, in fairness, the, the two centre-halves, I thought, had, had overall a good game. And, you know, VAR prevented us from getting a third goal. They had a good was, game going forward. I don't know about a good game going... Uh, the, the, the position is not meant to be. Should we need a third goal at home to Crystal Palace to win, though? That's that's the point. If if we defended better, we wouldn't have needed the, the VAR for the third goal. We would have won the game anyway. 2-0 up after 10 minutes. Uh, a decent, good, structured team would win that game comfortably. Um, and even if it only finished 2-0, you're not putting yourselves under pressure. You're not conceding a goal and you just see it out. Um, and that's... That's that's where the problem is. You know, we can blame the third goal not being given, which it should have been, but that really doesn't alter the fact that it shouldn't have mattered. Really, we could have. Yeah, we had the perfect opportunity to take control of the game by being two 0 up. We had that Arsenal before. We've seen Arsenal take control of games when we're two 0 up and maybe scoring a couple more in the meantime. Uh, You know, so I agree with Richard there. We shouldn't have needed that. You know, I mean that lifeline of that goal. You know, in the last few minutes, it shouldn't have been like. That. I, I think, I think, in reality, Mike, we should have capitalised in the first twenty twenty-five minutes when we were actually on top of the game, and we could have been three, four uh, goals up. We did get a third goal. Uh, our frustrations were completed uh, by another VAR intervention, um, and the Emirates Stadium was denied a victory as Socrates scored from close range, but apparently it was a foul by um, Chambers on Maled him. Um, <laughs> Malalovic, whatever it is. Well, this is where Molina needs to help me out because there's too many J's and L's and everything else in there for me. But um, we had uh, a situation where uh, there was VAR and VAR basically said that Callum Chambers was committing a foul. And, and this angle is not the best angle when I... I I've tried getting the, the the moving pictures, but the bandwidth is just too much. It it doesn't allow me on here. But um, Callum Chambers has been fouled by. If you, if we can flip it around the other way, that he's been fouled in my view by three people. Cahill has pushed on his back, and at that point, um, despite there being two or three fouls on him, he lays his hand upon this uh, this player in here that you can see where my mouse is on. And uh, VAR deemed that he had pushed and fouled him, despite him being fouled by Cayute uh, uh, and by Cahill and whoever that uh, other fellow in there is. Um, but the ball came free and Saka scored, in my view, a very good goal. Uh, can I just point out quick here? First of all, before this, and like I say, I've watched the game two or three times now, Callum Chambers was actually pushed before all this started getting happening. Yes, was. Milovic. And he was pushed before that. So that should have been deemed straight away a penalty way before all this actually happened. Now, when it comes to the VAR, how can you deem that Callum Chambers has made the foul when it's three on one? It's three players crowding one one player and basically feet are all over the place. There's pushing and shoving going on. That shouldn't have been deemed anything. In, in all fairness, it, it should have just carried on as it was. Yeah. The other, the other, there's no, there's no foul there on either side. In, in, in all fairness, during that, I don't think there was any foul. There was a couple of feet touching feet, and then Cahill at the end of that pushing him over and falling on top of him. That that could have been deemed a penalty. But like I say before thing, that, Chambers was was pushed way before all this happened. It, it was called. It was called by VAR, and 
the, the thing with VAR when we're in the stadium, in the first half when the VAR came on, BBC were doing the coverage because it was match of the day and the cameras were different and everything else. And for some reason, somebody flicked the switch and we actually could hear, um, we could hear all the uh, VAR chat to the referee in his, in his ear faintly because the PA system is absolutely pony in, in, in the stadium. But, in the second half, it, it disappeared. But it did make it slightly easier to understand because all of a sudden we heard at one point investigating handball and so on. But the VAR official who deemed this to be um, uh, a foul and not a uh, foul on uh, Chambers rather than, uh, sorry, a foul conceded by Chambers rather than Chambers uh, getting fouled by three people, um, is uh, he's never refereed um, a Premier League game in his life. Um, he is from the Australian A-League and he has done a few games in the A-League. Richard, thoughts on the whole thing? I mean, VAR is just not working um, in any game. I mean, we've been on the wrong side of a couple now. The Sheffield United game where Saka was booked for diving when it, that was possibly a penalty. He wasn't even checking VAR. And, you know... Um, the whole thing is just ruining the game. It's not. It's not helping. It's not designed for the people in the ground watching the game. It's. It's more for a, a TV thing, isn't it? To try to get decisions right. Now we were told that VAR was meant to come in to stop all this controversy. Um, and I mean, la last season we missed out on the Champions League by the tiniest of margins in terms of points. Um, and you know, we could look back and say, well, that was because we should have had a penalty here or a goal should have been given here. And this season we think, well, that's not going to happen now. But you know, if we miss out on the top four by two points, that's it's going to be 100% down to the VAR decision in this game. And yes, as I said before, it shouldn't have come down to that, but ultimately it did. And we we should have won that game 3-2. Mm. And we've been completely... And the, the system designed to stop that happening, or it was meant to be designed to stop that happening, but it's just not being used properly. So they either have to start using it correctly, the referee needs to look at the screen on the side of the pitch, Um or they need to just get rid of it completely and go back to the system last from previously, which wasn't perfect, but at least we all knew where we were. A goal goes in, you cheer, it's a goal. The Man United game away, you can't cheer a goal because it goes to VAR. You're cheering a goal two and three minutes later. Just ridiculous. Um, and I don't know, I, I just they need to completely um, reassess the whole VAR thing um, and come back with a, a system that's going to work. It, it seems to work better in the World Cup um, then it's done this season. It's just ridiculous. You guys just chat for a second. My not in, so I'll leave you guys chat. Be back in two seconds. But talk about the VAR stuff, um, Melina, Mike, um, and there's some there's some questions on 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 the the chat at the side. But I'll, I'll be back in literally two seconds. Yeah, I agree with you, Richard, as well. There's a TV screen there. If the ref isn't hundred percent sure, and if he's still not hundred percent sure with the decision given by the guy who sat in a room, then he should really be going over to that TV screen and checking it himself. What you've got to think of is he, he's looked at that referee, he's decided there was no problem, he's given the goal, then he's getting told in his ear, oh, there might be a problem, there's a foul by, by Chambers, we're going to disallow it. So he, who's right? Is he right or is the VAR referee right? He needs to look at that again. Surely that's, that's a typical yeah. example of when that has to be used. You know, with, with the penalty one, maybe not, because I think that was obvious. Um, but certainly on the no, decision, obvious, yeah. yeah, on a decision like that goal, the referee's got mm. to look at that again himself. And he, if he looks at it and, and sees it again and thinks, okay, yes, that is a foul, I'm going to disallow it. Then really, you could say, okay, not much you could say. But the fact he didn't even check it, he's gone on the opinion of a referee from Australian A League 
I mean, what, what even is that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I <laughs> and, agree. And this, this is top level football. Um, you know, one it's probably Europe's top league, or apparently it's Europe's top top league. Um, and it just comes down to some guy in the studio saying, oh, I, I want to disallow that goal because I didn't like it. And the referee on the pitch not taking control of that situation and saying, let me see it again. Um, and that's I was going to like, point out as well over the weekend, um, I think there was a decision in the Everton game where Mike Dean was in the VAR booth and he made an absolute howler as well during that game for a VAR which was deemed, I can't remember if it was a penalty or not now, but yeah, I do believe it was a penalty. And he said it wasn't, which, was you know, the A-League refs and everything else, it's our own Premier League refs that can't even get it right. Well, I mean, we, we know what our Premier League refs are like. Um, but they, well, they, 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 these they are why they are invited to the World Cup. Really. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So we can't rely on them to get it right a second time when the one on the yeah. pitch can't get it right in the first place. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous situation. It's just we've now got two referees that are wrong as opposed to one that we had before. Yeah, I agree. Um, right, so the elephant in the room, I suppose, is uh, the game took a toxic turn uh, just after the hour mark when Shaka was sub- substituted. The captain um, reacted angrily to jeers and his slow departure and waving and cupping of his ear waving of his arm, cupping of his ears sarcastically to the home support, exchanging words before he took off his shirt and disappeared down the tunnel. Um, added to that, uh, there was um, a lot of discontent lurking close to the surface at Arsenal. Loud chants for Mesut Ozil rang out, which is purely... Um, uh, I, I don't think the Ozil chants, if you look at the Ozil chants, aren't about Ozil. I think it's more about... Um, uh, an anti-Emery thing. Let's look at this Shaka thing first of all. I've entitled this, um, and the spelling gets me away with this, but uh, what a Shaka shit. It's an X-H-I-T. Yeah, so that's how our Shaka spelt, isn't it? I thought it was quite clever. Um, but what did we make of uh, Shaka? And uh, Melina, you were you were in the ground with me uh well, with, with nick and, and and the others but we were all in the ground and you you saw him trudge off that pit so slowly it was it was ridiculous you know i had uh i had to calm down after the game you know to analyze that that scene properly because that was really um that was really upsetting you know to uh to see the reaction of the fans and then reaction of chaka himself um my opinion slightly changed you know since sunday because i was really uh angry at him i was i was really disappointed with with uh, how he behaved i still am don't get me wrong but my opinion changed slightly because of realization that he's he's not the only one to blame you know he's not the one to be blamed for how he's treated um so my thinking right now is that we should really uh put our focus on emery and his decisions why is that mainly because chaka is not um, the one who makes decision about playing so when he's out you know playing uh on the wrong position we blame him for making mistakes okay i understand that we can be angry when he makes that mistake but then again it's not him playing on the position that he should be playing it's emery making him play on that position 
Um, secondly, I think that the crit, uh, you know, the the, the um, uh, fans that criticise him, they should really look um, at the one very important uh, point. He's he's like us, a human being. How much uh, abuse can you get? I don't know, guys, if you if you have seen. Um, social media in regards to um, Chaka as, you know, as a player, but there is so much abuse going on uh, pre-game, during the game, after the game, you know, he gets he gets messages, awful messages. Um, um, there's, been, there's been there's been a, a, a threat to his wife's life. Uh, there's you got to Man there United. Was even something, there was even something about his newborn child, you know what I mean? No, like... And- and Melina, that, that, unfortunately, um, some of these platforms uh, in, encourage it. Um, we definitely don't. Um, but some of these platforms encourage more malevolence and stuff like that. But uh, Twitter, Facebook, we just have to go on to some of the groups that we're all on. You can see people, nobody appreciates anybody else's opinion. Everybody comes along and just wants to, you know, have another one-upmanship and shock therapy and I don't know, go on to Twitter, look at, who was it, Rashford um, got racially abused on on, on Twitter. So uh, as much as um, I think it's dreadful that um, Shaka gets any of that abuse on social media, unfortunately, that is a fact of life at the minute. But on the pitch, I don't think he's been, yes, he has been played out of position. I agree with you 100% on there. Um and we just we discussed some of that on Sunday, um, but he what Mike said earlier, like he just didn't look up for it, and I don't think he is our captain. And at our captain, could you see? Could you see? Uh, Sol Campbell. Yes, we know Sol Campbell walked out at half time at West Ham at Highbury. But could you see Tony Adams? Could you see pick a captain, Bar Gallas, maybe? Um, pick a captain. Who else would you see doing that? And his job, when it got. He could hear us. There was an ironic jeer that could have been, you could interpret it as that people were cheering the sack was coming on a young hopeful. They could have been uh, cheering at Emery because he's actually made a substitution and taken Shaka off because he's been so blinkered and stuck with him continuously regardless. Um, but he, if he's a captain, knowing that we're 2-2, two, 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 that we should have been three or four up, that he should have marched off that pitch at the earliest point uh, possible and then, you know, come off. Instead, what did he do? He stood there, trudged and trudged. When people went, come on, mate, move, 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 he starts waving his arms around. And then when people start getting a bit more louder about, like, you know, hurry the up sort of thing, he then cups his arms and tells us to F off. I didn't see the F off from where we were, but you see it afterward. It, and then it turned into boo. I just think it is just something an Arsenal captain should not do. And to throw I mean, you arm know- band on the ground. That's that's the one. That's, one, that's why I wanted to mention that to me... Um- Everything, um, everything was uh, was bad. But what he did with this amber was actually disgraceful. I, I think this is the the one point that I just can't swallow. You know, I just absolutely cannot digest how how he he just he just throw it on the on the ground. You know, for for Alba to pick up. I mean, you just don't do it. I, since that moment, I just I just felt like he's he's supposed to be. Um, he behaved like a child, you know. He behaved like a child um, with a tantrum. So obviously, 
obviously that's not really something that you look that's not a captain's quality you know what i mean like there is absolutely nothing um we can i just i'm just absolutely shocked you know because uh, it's like um it's like a betrayal you know uh, he shouldn't as a captain he shouldn't even have this kind of thought in here in his head you know like okay i'm going off and i'm going to throw it it's something that you just don't do and i listened later after that game i listened to uh, what ian wright said about this and he was absolutely disgusted you know he he just he 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 was uh, shocked that you know in uh, in his days no one ever would behave in such a way so what really is happening with our club right now that people you know like kostelne like like uh, chaka you know um do things like that it's absolutely beyond me i don't get it um Richard, um, Nick asked a question as well. Uh, what did you first of all? What did you think of the Shaka situation? Um, uh, initially, at the time he when he when he got taken off and what he did at the time, I, I probably felt the same as most people. I was quite angry with his reaction, but the more I've seen it and the more I've heard about it since, I actually feel quite sorry for him. Um, you know, he, he's he's on the pitch. He's, he's I think he always tries to do his best for the team. You know, whether or not we think he's good enough or not isn't really our, it's not our decision to make. He, he's in the team. He gets picked, he got picked regularly before. He's getting picked regularly now. He's a regular for his country. Um, but, the, you know, he's just out there doing his job to the best that he can do. He, he doesn't deserve the criticism that he gets, not not just on Sunday, but before that. You know, he's been made a scapegoat for quite a lot of things that's, that's wrong with the team. He, he's been made captain, not his choice. Apparently, the, the players picked him, so they must have respect for him. And I just think as fans, that there's no benefit to be had by treating one of our players like that. I mean, I actually felt more sorry for Saka as well, who was coming on with all that atmosphere that was that was there at the time. You know, he's a young lad. He must have gone onto that pitch petrified of doing something wrong um, because of the way the atmosphere was. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think Jack has got a, a big job to play for the club yeah. again. Do you do you think that uh, like Dave Atkinson's asked said that, that you know there was all this this, this social media crap as uh, is the word he uses it's been thrown at them uh, there's platforms like this podcast like Arsenal fans forum like proper Arsenal like Arsenal away but you you name all the, the, the different various ones you get Arsenal fans TV you've got that and then Nick also asks does the, uh, do you not think that the recent manager managers have devalued our captain's armband already? Like having five captains, does that not like you know? When, yeah. when, do, you, when do you remember? I was listening to the radio before. When do you remember a proper a proper um, Arsenal captain before? Like yeah, but if, I mean, I, I think the whole role of the, the captain of a football team has been devalued everywhere, not just at Arsenal. I mean, um, you look at the, the other teams. I mean, Liverpool got Henderson as a captain. You wouldn't imagine he, he's not your, your typical kind of captain, is he, of, of a top team? Um, I mean, Man City. I don't even know who their captain is now. Companies left, um, and I think the whole it's, it's over. It's overstated. Really, I don't think the captain's that important. Really, it's a player who's probably going to play every week, um, and a player who's maybe popular in the dressing room and has maybe got some sort of um, leadership qualities on the pitch, possibly, but I think it doesn't really matter who the captain is. Let's just get the the team to play properly, and, and that's more important than whoever captain is. I mean, it doesn't make that much difference. They go up and lift a trophy if you're lucky enough to win one, and that, you know what else do they, are they supposed to do? It's not like in in years ago where maybe the captain did a lot more things behind the scenes with the team, organised things, and this that, and the other. They don't do that anymore. Everything's done for them all anyway, and the captain's just a figurehead that the managers pick just for someone to lead the team out. Um, 
And I don't think it's as important. I mean, I think if, if a captain of Arsenal had behaved the way that Xhaka did maybe 10 years ago, it would have been a, a much more um, slate on the club, if you like. It would have been a, a lot worse. I mean, really, that's that's nothing. It's been made a massive deal out of it. And really, what's he, what's he done? He's, he's got a bit of abuse off the crowd, which he didn't deserve. And he's reacted because he, he's maybe he's been angered inside him for a little while. You know, and who cares? Let's just forget it, you know. And... What should he do next? Should he apologise? Should the fans apologise for throwing stuff at his car, for abusing him on social media? They don't, do they? So what's he got to apologise for? All he's done was get a bit angry. At least he's shown that he cares, that it matters to him. He, he wants, he want, you know, he's one of the players. He wants the fans to support him. He wants the fans to support the team. So, of course, he's going to be angry when that's not happening. Um, and maybe as the leader of that group, which he, which he is, you know, it, it sends a message to all the other players as well. I mean, Torreira's right. reaction... Well, Torreira's reaction showed that it affected the other players. I mean, it's their captain, their friend, and you've got 50,000 people abusing their friend. How do you think they feel? Do they want to go out and play for the the club now? Do they want to go out and prove to the fans and and show the fans how, how, how much it means to them when all they see is their friend getting abused? And not just on Sunday, but constantly. And it's not just Definitely. him, it's Ozil as well. Ozil gets abused all the time and suddenly now he's the next best thing because he's not playing. Um, it's just madness, really. And I actually really do feel sorry for Xhaka now. And I, I hope that he can come back into the team and he can play whether he should be captain or not. doesn't matter to me. Um, possibly not in the circumstances. But he, he should be allowed to play for the club. He clearly loves playing for Arsenal. I think he always has done. Um, and I just wanna, want to see him back in the team and everyone just, you know, move on. It's It's... A lot of fuss over nothing, really. I've been chomping at the bit here. I know you have. <laughs> right. First thing, uh, all this booing and everything else. Because it wasn't till the jeering started. I don't necessarily agree with the jeering, but I can understand fans' frustration with it, especially as he was taking so long to walk off the pitch. So the jeering starts. Uh, it was only after the, the booing started only after after he cupped his ear, uh, and that's when the start of the, the booing started to happen. Uh, so you can understand where the fans come across from that. At the end of the day, these fans are paying a hell of a lot of money to watch this team go out and underperform. And it's not I'm not just blaming Jack; I'm blaming the team right now and underperform consistently over the last few games. Uh, this is I, can you understand? I can understand why fans get so upset about it, especially paying all this money. I don't agree with the social media side of it, and I don't agree what they did to this car. I think you know. I mean, come on, sort yourself out a bit. You know, grow up a bit, fans. You don't need to throw stuff at people's cars and stuff like that. You're, you're adults, for God's sake. Um, as for uh, as for as what he did, uh, as for Jacker for what he actually did um, with him throwing his armband. He basically threw a wobbler. It uh, was. He spat his dummy out, which Melina said as well. He, you know, he's acting like a child. There's no need to act like a child. Just because the fans are booing you, you, you grow up, you know what I mean? Man up a bit. You, you know, this is this is their platform where they want to play. They want to play in front of these thousands of fans. Now, as for feeling sorry for Xhaka, no, I don't. I really don't feel sorry for him because he, he's brought it on himself after, what's he been with us now? Four or five years? He has not really consistently performed. No, hang on, Fergus. He hasn't really consistently performed. If he wants to go out there and show fans, we know he's not the best player in his position. We know he might be playing out of his position. But go out there and play the best you can every game, and fans will respect that no matter what. You don't think he did? No, I don't think he did. 
I, he, he hasn't. He hasn't. Best of his ability, maybe he is. Maybe that's no. I well, if he is, I don't think he is because we saw that just for watching Crystal Palace. If you go back and watch it, you can see he is not consistently playing to the best of his ability. You can see he is not interested. And they pointed out perfectly. He is not interested, but it's not just Crystal Palace. He he does that every game. He did it against Manchester United. He's done it against, uh, you know, he's going to do it again in the next few games as well if he gets picked. I'm not just blaming... I'm I'm sorry. Hang on. No, no, no. I'm I'm not just trying to blame Xhaka or anything. It is a team effort a lot of the time. And but Jacko is taking the brunt of it right now because he is our captain. And now to act like that and spit your dummy out and throw the captain's armband on the floor, take your shirt off of the tunnel. I bet he wanted to throw that shirt. Uh, there was obviously something inside of him said, "Don't do it because this could be your last thing you ever." Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. So it's that that's the reason why he didn't throw that shirt. <laughs> Otherwise, I reckon he would have thrown it. People are forgetting as well that Shaka also is the man who criticised and said that. Um, uh, the team were scared at Watford. Um, he criticised the fans after he got uh, jeered when he got taken off against Villa. Um, so you know he he's had a bit of a build up. I, I know Richard, me and you, when we talked on the on the earlier test that we done, you mentioned that he's recently had a baby, uh, and yeah, that does put a strain on a person's. Uh, well, he, his wife has had a baby. Otherwise, he wouldn't need to play football again because he'd be a very rich man if he could procreate with himself. Um, but, but um, it, you know, they've had a, a new a first baby in the family, and that does put strain on you. Like they, they won't have the monetary worries whatsoever, but they will have the you know like the, the tiredness, the emotion, and so on. But as I said to you, time off. No, 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 time off. I'm sure. Surely it's in their contract if they have a baby, like everybody else's contract at work. Exactly. He can take as much time as he wants. There's no excuse. I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry, but there's no excuse. If I if I went to work tired and if I've you know what I mean, it's I'm gonna get I'm gonna get absolutely slated to work for you. if I'm not if I'm not doing 50, it my job. Have you had fifty thousand yeah, people shouting abuse at you? Have you ever had have you ever faced that? Do you know how you would react? You but Richard, have you had, have you had fifty thousand people come along? You will get that they inside the stadium have no problem with. Well, I don't think we like booing our own fans. Okay, that aside, but, uh, cheering, cheering, uh, come along. Ah, uh, like Alex Awobi got to continuously all the time. Every time he yeah. every time he used to, you know, miss miss a shot, and it was like, oh, that groan that goes around. That groan has got to be worse than any boo or anything like that. That's just like I've done my best, and everyone goes, oh, boo. The only reason he gets booed is because people are extremely frustrated. The stuff that happened out with coins at his car, uh, the social media stuff that you talked about, Melina. Um, that that's all absolutely totally out of order, but. Um, yeah, that's uh, why I said hey, these people need to grow up and get a life. You know, get off your keyboard and go outside for a little bit. There's no need for stuff like that. I do not condone that whatsoever. But I understand why the fans started booing because it was after he started giving it the old cupping of the ear and everything else. That's when the fans started to boo after that. The right. jeering come, you know, but the jeering come like the, the sarcastic claps and everything else that come. As he got subbed, but that cut that he also got that uh, on the last away game that I went to at Sheffield United. He got exactly the same there from the away fans. My, the my fans issue, are frustrated. My issue is, is if I saw Shaka, if Lee sits beside him sometimes when Shaka's not playing, and if I was sitting beside uh, Shaka, um, 
uh, next week or whatever at, at the Wolves game because he's not playing at the Wolves game, I would have gone, mate, you were bang out of order. That was that was. I, I would say it to his face, and I think I would as well. And, I, I wouldn't have. Yeah, no I think if I'm comfortable with saying it to his face, then I don't have. I don't feel guilty about criticizing them here and on on these sort of platforms. I I won't slate him left, right, and centre, but I just think. No. I, I think it's fair enough to to to, to criticise him for his reaction. I don't think there's an issue with that. I think his reaction obviously wasn't um, in the best interest of the club or anything. But uh, you know, people are slating him for in, his performances on the pitch. You know, people that have never played football before. I mean, you know, you, you can't ever go at him for how he's performing because he's doing the best that he can do it in that particular game. He's not purposely going out to, to play rubbish. He's not purposely going out to give the ball away or whatever it is. He's going but out. Rich, did you not, did you not see that, that, that? I know the punditry can get what they want, but did you not see the stuff on Match of the Day? I, 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 I did. I would agree 100%, but every time there was a pass onto him, he looked the opposite way. Like, like you know, it's it, it's... You don't, he didn't want to make eye contact. He didn't yeah, want to do what, 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 that, that tells me, and they, they touched on the match of the day, that it's a confidence thing. He's not maybe confident. He doesn't want the ball because he's fighting. He be he, he no, maybe he should, but that's not his fault. That's the manager's. The manager's the one who's picking him. And and that's what it comes down to. But ultimately, exactly. while he's on the pitch playing, the more support that the players get, all of them, that the more likely they are to maybe play slightly better and not, not be afraid to get the ball and stuff like that. And I, I just can't see the... The positives of um, booing your own players or abusing your own players. Do do it to the opposition players. Put them off. Don't put your own players off. You know, and if after the, the game the thing is very well, then you know after the game, you know, say say they're not doing the job, but not while the game's on for ninety minutes. Support the players on the pitch. You know, you know what? Thing, yeah, you got you got to ask. You got to say as well, Richard. I'm sorry when when you said like the, a lot of these people that may never played a football game in life. That's fair enough, but they're paying the money to go in to watch Arsenal yeah. day in, I mean, week in week out. A lot of them are playing to go, you know, to away games as well. So you got to think how much money these people are paying to to go watch these players. I'm I'm not just going to say Jacare as you know. I mean, I'm I'm saying them all right now and. Mm. You don't pay all that. You don't pay good money that people go out and earn a wage for uh, to to spend all that money just to watch this that's going on now. And no, no, I agree. To go back into Jacky, when he when he does underperform, which he has underperformed in numerous games, I think it's, I've, probably since the start of the season, he's not really performed. He's not shown enough to to me. He hasn't shown enough to warrant. People give it, you know. I mean, cheering him on, you know. I mean, he, he, probably, he, probably, he hasn't, he hasn't warranted a lot of the jeers. I'll, I'll admit that. But, but I'm, I'm not the one who's doing it. Is he playing worse this season to say last season or the season before? I don't think he is particularly. Well, there you go then. Can, yeah, this is where you've got to understand where the frustration is. I didn't rate him last season, the season before no. either. I don't. No, no, so what I'm saying is, you know, you're saying he's underperforming. He's not underperforming if this is his level. It's been his level for three seasons or more. So if this is his top level, then he needs to go. I agree, but that's not his decision. It's not our decision. The coach is picking him. And while the coach continues to pick him, while he's playing, we should support the team and not get on any individual players' back. And if we don't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to throw one thing in. Basically, you know, listening to you, especially Mike, when he's saying that, you know, he hasn't... Uh, shown you know that he he's he's so poor and okay no, yes he is but there is only one person who can really help him out there is only one person who can change it and that person is Emery um, you know playing 
Chaka as a defensive midfielder is not helping the guy at all because this is not his natural position. He just cannot perform uh, to you know to his very best and on the position that he's not designed for. Simply as that. Last season he was much better because he played alongside Torreira, and um, uh, this season obviously when Torreira is um, uh, is constantly benched and Ch and Chaka is um, um, performing together with Gunduzi, what do you expect from him? He just well, cannot I, do it. I think it's um, uh, an Emery love fest with Gunduzi because Gunduzi was his original sole signing. Because, uh, because um, what's that? Gwendozi was a Mislin tat signing. It, it, no, it was under it was under um, Emery. He was a Sven. Okay, I just think he he's got a thing with Gwendozi, and he keeps on putting Gwendozi first, and he's sacrificing Shaka for uh, Gwendozi's position, which I think is what you were trying to say, Melina. But well, because you know what, to be quite honest, I would I would be very upset to see uh, Matteo on the bench because he's been excellent. He's, he's one of our best players right now. You know, uh, to me, he's actually a captain, um, uh, you know, role, mo role, uh, role model as a captain. You know, he's too young still to get the armband, but he's got qualities of a captain to me. He's, he's just simply outstanding. That's why I, I wouldn't like him to be benched. But if you want Chaka to play, if you want him to perform to his best, you have to pull him out with Torreira. So Torreira yeah. can go onto that, you know, deeper uh, defensive role and Chaka can go, um, uh, you know, uh, a bit further, you know. It, it, it's, it's, it's simple as that. I mean, everyone can see it apart from Emery. So when... <laughs> This is the issue, that, and, and, and it brings on the, the, the greater point about Emery. Like, you know, um, Shaq has come onto this criticism. Uh, we talked about Torreira, who's been played so far forward the other night, and Sabias has been played at an eight. Um, uh, Torreira has been played at a ten. Hey, what's going on? Does, does, the guy, does, does the guy have a clue? I, I don't, listen, I'm, I'm so not trying to be hashtag you know all that sort of stuff i really want this transition to go and we get top four uh and then whatever happens as i said earlier on i have no allegiance to the man whatsoever but um i was asked by potsy on thursday night what did i think uh was i in or out and i said potsy i said i'm confused and that's all i can say i am i am confused and i'm just i know nothing about football that's why I do this. Uh, I, I know nothing about football. Uh, I love Arsenal. Um, I love watching the football. I love the social aspect. I love all this sort of stuff, chatting to you guys. But I'm not I'm not an expert. Um, but these guys who are professional footballers, they must be just equally as confused as me. That's, that's exactly so, the problem, isn't it? That, that I mean, Emery seems to not be sure where anybody should play. He, he's made a habit of playing players, not just not just Saka, like you said, Serrera was playing out of position. He's played Ozil in the wrong position when he's picked him. Um, and he's done it constantly. It's it's confusing for us as fans watching it. It must be confusing for the players as well. And we wonder why we're not looking cohesive as a team. Um, I mean, the whole Ozil thing, it kind of, on, on Sunday, funnily enough, with the position that Sabios took up in that team and 
the same when he came on against Sheffield United, when he, he's dropping very deep in front of the back four to get the ball. That seems to be what he's expecting Ozil to do when he was playing Ozil. And that's why I think he's not been playing Ozil, because Ozil can't do that to him. Ozil needs to be in the, in the final third and doing his stuff there. And it's like, I don't know what Emery's problem is with, with a number 10 position. He doesn't seem to want anybody to play in that position, even though he's got a player in the squad. He's not picking him in the squad, but he's got a player at the club who can play that position perfectly well. Um, and he just doesn't want anybody to play there. And it, I just don't understand what he's trying to achieve. There's massive. We're playing in three sections. We've got the front three, we've got the midfield, and we've got the back four. And none of them are playing together as a, as a unit. They're playing as three, almost three separate sides. You know, the defence is getting no protection from the midfield. The midfield are not supporting the, the, the front men. So it's just a mess. And that's why we're conceding goals. We're not scoring enough goals. And suddenly we've been practising some corners and we're scoring a few goals from corners. So that's about the only thing Emery's actually improved in, in the year. Nigel, Nigel McGrath, but a question. We are going to go to close uh, shortly as well. But um, probably a final topic before, uh, a final question before we um, uh, quickly look at, I've got, a couple of questions and then then we go from there but Emery could potentially do more damage in two seasons than Wenger did in the last 10 wow that's uh that's quite strong potsy has strong one now. Uh, has gone backwards under Emery act now before it's too late uh, i don't know i for me i'd wait for wolves and leicester i know that puts us probably in a, a bit more precarious situation <laughs> but we got an international break then so why, why, I agree why, with what Nigel said. Uh, I do agree with what Nigel just said there as well with uh, he could potentially do more damage. At the end of the day, you've got to look at it this way. Aubameyang's coming up to his final years. Like Azette's probably going to come up to his final years as well. So we're looking at there. If we lo- if we don't get Champions League this season, I think there's definitely there two players there that could potentially say, right, we'll see you later, then I've had enough. And there's our two, the, you know what I mean, with Aubameyang, there's our goal scoring just gone. And mm-hmm. then also, the, the back goal scorer, like Azette, is gone. You know, Pepe is only just joined, so I can't see him deciding to leave just yet. But there is other players in there as well. Torreya is not being started. And like Molina rightfully said, he's not even getting a game and he's been played in the wrong position when he does get a game. He's, sooner or later, he's going to be fed up as well. And he's going to turn around and say, I'm homesick. I want to go back to Italy. And I'm, there's going to be plenty of Italian teams lined up at chomping at the bit to get him. So it's with, with Emery at the minute and I'll... You know, I'll get off the Xhaka stuff now. But yes, I, I do blame Emery for a hell of a lot of this, what's going on right now, because he is doing everything wrong at the moment. His tactics are more confusing than a Rubik's Cube, you know, to me. Should what the hell, be the first team on the team sheet? Yes, he, by far, yes. Gwendouzi should be one of the first names on the team sheet because he's the only player at the moment that I see playing so well. And that rugby tackle was amazing. <laughs> I thought was even more funny was on Twitter. Um, Zaha came along and uh, tagged him in a in a comment saying the NFL was at Wembley that weekend because uh, the Cronkies were in town. Stan was watching the Rams in Wembley and Josh was in uh, the Emirates. I believe Josh had a chat with Emery afterwards because of the whole hoo ha and everything else. Listen, listen. To close up, we're ten games in, and I always have said that you should never judge a season or uh, how the, the season is going to be until you're 10 games in. We're 10 games in. Where are we, fifth or sixth in the league? I, I don't know. We're not, we've just fallen away a little bit. Where, um, Melina, one sentence, where do you predict us finishing at the moment? 
lower than expected. And have you got a number or you don't in, know? In, in one sentence. Um, I'm afraid to give any numbers right now because, you know, if he continues doing what he's doing, I can't, I can't see, see us getting to that top four, to be honest. I just cannot. Okay. Um, you know, probably, probably six. Okay. If Mike? Uh, mine's going to be a little bit longer, but I was just going to say two episodes ago, we said before the Sheffield United game, the best we can really hope for in them for the points in the next four league games was at least seven. So far, we've got one, and it's been the two games, and we're coming up against Wolves and Leicester. We're probably going to get maybe two points out of these four games because I cannot see us beating Leicester, and Wolves is going to be just as difficult as what Crystal Palace was in the way we are playing at the moment. So we're probably best off chances out of that one. It's probably best off jumping for a, uh, for another point. As for as for top, you know, I mean, a number on where we are going to be in the league. It's going to be difficult because we're getting overtaken right now by, you know, I mean, we're going to get overtaken by Wolves, Leicester. Man United are going to come into form sooner or later. They always do, regardless of what's happening. So there's three teams that could be above us there, as well as, you know, as well as, you know, the scum are starting. They'll they'll come into form at some point sooner or later. You you just don't know. So, and Chelsea are going for it now. So I, I'm hopeful for a top six right now. Mike, finally. Uh, not uh, Richard, sorry. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, at the minute, we could either finish third or we could finish 10th. And it's impossible to know what, what's going to happen, really. I mean, unless some changes are made, I, I think we're more likely to finish closer to 10th than, than third. Um, obviously, I'm hopeful we can get the top four, but... If we do get the Champions League, we're not in a position to compete in that the way that we've been playing. Um, just quickly on Wolves as well. I mean, last last season we played Wolves at home in November. Um, going into that game, we were in great form. We was unbeaten in about fifteen games. We drew with Liverpool the week before, um, and we had, we were really poor against Wolves at home. We were lucky to get a draw. Um, and at the time, I thought to myself, "That's fair enough. We've been good form. We can accept the odd bad game." But since in the year since then, that performance against Wolves last year has become the norm. Um, since then um, and hopefully maybe playing Wolves at home again will be the turning point again and we can produce a performance and, and, and go on from there but I'm not confident as things stand we're just not playing well enough and um, if I was going to predict a finishing place now I'd probably say sixth I think Leicester will finish above us um, for definite um, Man United probably um, and maybe Wolves there's, there's several teams Crystal Palace even the way they've been playing um, yeah, well, up until um, up on, up until a couple of weeks ago, before the Sheffield game, I went third, nailed on third. Um, this 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 run in is just like I I don't know. I I, I still think we will manage top six, but I, I think we have to get top four. Uh, briefly, we have Liverpool against um, in in the quarterfinal League Cup tomorrow, eight o'clock. Uh, I'm going for a 1-1 extra time penalties and hopefully we get it on penalties. Uh, anybody else? Um, anybody predict a victory in 90 minutes? I, I think it's a victory. Go on, Molina. It depends what team Liverpool put out as well, doesn't it? If, if, they, if they rest a lot of their players, I don't think they've got um, as much strength in depth as maybe we have in our, in our sort of second eleven, if you like. 
their, sec their second eleven gave uh, Genk um, a right shoe in with uh, Chamberlain. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic Genk, is, that's Genk, isn't it? You know, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 was Genk equal to our second eleven? Our, our first eleven struggled against the pub team. Go back yeah. to the beginning. Well, yeah, they, they did. I mean, I'm hoping we can we can stay in that competition because it'd be nice to to actually finally win it for the first time in in a long time. Um, but I'm not confident. I'll maybe go with you. Maybe maybe a draw and penalties. And uh, Mike, are you going for a, a draw and penalties? Or are you going for a loss? I'm going for a loss. Okay, right. Uh, and then I'll go for a two 0 loss because I just don't see. I can't see us winning that regardless. Uh, the way we're playing, but it, it all depends as well. It depends who's coaching the team. If uh, Youngberg comes back in and coaches for our cup team, it might be a different story. Okay, um, and I picking up from what you said earlier, you're indicating a draw against Wolves at the weekend. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Going, I'm going for a draw. Yeah, I'm going for a narrow victory. Of I got two one to the Arsenal. Melina, the, what you got for Wolves? It's a three o'clock. I, I, I just, I just want to feel, I just want to feel positive again. So I go for victory. You know, I just, yeah. I just want us to win so much that you know, I just, I just say, yeah, we're gonna smash them. Thank you. Listen, Melina, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Scunny, as always, uh, always welcome. Richard, uh, a couple of comments in the in in the um, in, in the chat on the side. Well done, Richard from Russ Morgan. He has been taking the mick out of you earlier on, but uh, that's fine. Uh, Ken Ch uh, Kai Chen said, "Well done, Richard, uh, on your debut." And Potsy, who is out, you know, on on, on the Raz, I expect, uh, said, uh, "A good day." Oh, that's not that one. Uh, let me get that one up. Sorry, somebody else commented, so it jumps down. Uh, Potsy, Potsy wished you uh, said. Potsy said uh, a, a really good debut as well. So uh, I will get it. Hang on, just to bring it up. There we go. Uh, good debut tonight, uh, Richard. So, Richard, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully, we'll get you on a couple more times. Um, you have been listening to uh, Guns and Yellow Ribbons Live. It is an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans uh, for Arsenal fans. And we leave the final word to Emerson to say, Hi, Dad. <laughs> Hi, Emerson. Up the Arsenal. Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.